I've noticed myself lately I've been a little uh, anxious or mm, jittery, so, but I can't give up my last remaining vice, which is coffee, so I think I've just decided to just drink around the caffeine. You like that? That's a good bit. Well, I I don't know about good, but it's a bit I'm working on. I last night I couldn't sleep. I was like I I I nodded off. And, or I thought I almost did, and I got in that kind of dream state there. And all of a sudden like all these bits, these bits just start popping in my head like bam bam bam. Um yeah, like new stuff. Um, so immediately I got up and I started just kind of, you know, shaping this kind of long compilation of little piecemeal one-liners that, uh, open up into other stories. Uh, I've given you a lot of it in past podcasts, but, uh, it kind of plays, I I think I'm going to write, I, I think I might write for, um, stand-up. I think this, I think this stuff is really good, but, uh, I don't know, you tell me if anybody listening can, um, give me a little feedback, be a little soundboard, um, I came up with that bit, like drinking around the caffeine, I think that's funny. I think that's funny. Um, I also came up with another. It, it, a lot of it's inspired just by like these bizarre, you know, uh, things that um, I read about or encounter. Like, like I heard like one time, <laughs> and this isn't really a stretch, but like I, I heard like Iggy Pop, Iggy Pop one time mid concert took a shit behind one of the one of the speakers, and. Uh, I think that's uh, definitely possible, and I think that's a great story. And I also think that how <laughs> much of a badass would you be if you did that, like in a comedy club? Which who knows? Maybe maybe it's been done. I don't know. You know, you're just up there, and you like you just kind of like take about three steps back, duck off into a curtain, just drop trowel, blow a little mud. Do a little stucco action and, uh, you know, kind of find the corner edge of a wall, you know, create yourself a makeshift bidet and then you're right as rain. You're back up, you're back, you're back up front, uh, without skipping a beat. Um, so, and then another bit I was working on was about starting a new religion, which, um, I didn't really flesh out in the last podcast. It's a lot of work starting a new religion. Um, I'm going to, I don't know. Again, it's like new religions are hard to start these days. Um, it's like starting a multi-level marketing type thing. It's, it's like trying to start a pyramid scheme. You know, people are like a little suspicious about it in the beginning. Like, seems a little, I don't know, half baked, you know, and it goes to, you know, in this day and age of information and video, again, you can't see your profit in a YouTube video. He can't be alive. They can't be alive. It can't be alive in a YouTube video. 
Uh, I just think like like the seasoning of a good stand-up comic, you know, they say you need about 10 years of stand-up under your belt before it, it really starts to kind of gel and take shape. And I think the same can be said about a new religion. Um, uh, that one that in Vietnam, that you know, the, the one with the prophets, that that's uh, Kaodaism, C-A-O-D-A-I-S-I-M-I-S-M, Kaodaism. I was talking about a few episodes ago. Um, they've got the wackiest set of prophets. Um, they've got Confucius, Jesus Christ, uh, Muhammad. And it, then it then it then it became Julius Caesar, you know, an Italian, Joan of Arc, a French uh, girl, uh, and uh, Vi- and Victor Hugo, the you know author of Les Misérables. So, actually, that one's almost in the clear. I don't think uh, you see any of those people on on YouTube videos. Uh, and there's millions of followers. So. There you go. And then I tie it all together with um, the whole Fire in the Sky remake with Travis Bickle. Uh, and then I say, you know, in the end, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I take a shit behind the stage. And then I say, tip your server and uh, have a good night. Thank you, folks. I'll be here all week. <laughs> so. And then it says, Q, wait for laughter. So, um, that'll all come together. I'm not, I'm not going to just drop an album on you. You know, drop a comedy album on a podcast. That would be a little strange. Uh, I don't know. It'd be momentarily enjoyable. But then, at the end, you'd be like, did he just do a full comedy album on a podcast? would be like, did I just listen to... Richard Pryor live at the Sunset Strip on on a podcast. So, um, but anyway, the Olympics have started. Let's give it up for, uh, we've already got a gold medal in fencing by a 27-year-old girl who, um, it's the first fencing gold medal. Why do I know that? Because I'm a good American, that's why. Also because I have a strange uh, interest in fencing, pursuit of fencing. There's a there's somebody that gives there's a uh, out here there's somebody that has a a, a workshop or uh, they do uh, fencing training I've always I thought it would you know might be something interesting to kind of delve into I, I really like that you know it's kind of one of those deals that are like wow like watch this guy fence like if you know like if you're ever out in a coastal city and pirates you know try and invade you like pirates of the Caribbean you know a bunch of Johnny Depp's get off. And you need to do some swashbuckling. You know, it's better to be prepared than not. Am I wrong? So, but something I did see in regard to the Olympics was some, I was looking at, um, by the way, shout out to our boys in the 10,000, 10,000 meter final is Friday. I don't know when this, if they're running semis uh, or qualifiers, they usually do. They usually run a heat, which is really odd, especially for the 10,000 meter. It's a long race for a heat. Um, and I didn't see any notice on it for the heats. Uh, I would imagine they'd be running them tomorrow or Wednesday. 
and then the final Friday, which by the time this podcast airs would be tomorrow. So hopefully this, our guys make it through the heats if they have any. We got Woody Kincaid who, uh, and Grant. Uh, what's his name? Grant. Oh, damn it. There's two guys that are um, Woody, uh, Woody Kincaid. He, um, Grant Fisher. Yeah, that's his name. Woody Kincaid won the 10,000 and was third in the 5,000. So he's going to double up as well as Grant Fisher. Fisher was second in the 5,000 and third, second and third in the 10,000. So that's good. That's a tough double. It's a punishing double. I did it at the NCAC conference championships in college and it's no joke um i like the olympics uh don't get me wrong everyone's juiced all right everyone's juiced the only one that you know got sent packing were the the russians and shikari richardson for smoking weed uh the russians are all well i think they're born juiced i think they don't have a crack epidemic in in russia they have a steroid epidemic like the babies are born there uh, addicted to steroids. Um, that's why they all got they all got flagged and banned in 2016, and they had to, some Russians competed as individuals, as independents. Like Mother Russia was cheating like a mofo. Uh, there's a great documentary on that called Icarus about the blood doping scandal. The only ones that didn't blood dope were uh, the figure skaters because it had no advantage it was world it was team wide and and it was so pervasive that they deemed the figure skaters uh unnecessary to partake they had studied in that in depth the benefits of of anabolic steroids or synthetic uh peds they knew them that well that they said nah don't worry about it you guys are good go out and do your do your best so uh but yeah shout out to uh, woody kincaid grant fisher uh paul chalimo has he's the reigning world i mean excuse me olympic champion in the 5000 he won the 5000 meter olympic trials he might repeat um in that event but the 10,000 this friday tune in um although it's in japan um I'm sure they'll have a uh, 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 a timely uh, episode uh, available for one and all. So, uh, but yeah, Olympics are my my bag, man. I like I like I like yapping about them. I I had really become an obsessive about um the whole the whole spectacle just after the 84 games. I didn't really watch the 84 games too close, but the 88 games was something else. Um, And one of my heroes, one of my idols, uh, Pat Porter, was a two-time Olympian, 84 and 88 in the 10,000. And uh, I ran into him at a tune-up for the Olympics in the 88 games. He ran an exhibition 3,000-meter race at Hughes Stadium. Uh, was it Hughes? Yeah, Hughes Stadium. Uh, they had Olympic tune-up meet for a bunch of the uh, Olympians there before they went to Seoul. And it was like Steve Scott. He ran, They ran an a exhibition 1,500, I believe. 
and they had in the 3000 it was a that was a badass race that was uh, doug padilla who won the olympic f trials 5000 meters was a member of the 5000 meter team arturo barrios who was this phenomenal mexican uh 10,000 meter runner uh world record holder in, in 10k road races uh he was in the race pat porter uh henry marsh uh yeah i think henry marsh the uh, at the time was the olympic or excuse me the um american record holder in the 3000 meter steeplechase and he ran in the exhibition 3000 meters and i think it went like uh, let's see barrios it was either barrios or Padilla won. I want to say Padilla probably outkicked Barrios because he's got better speed. And then Porter was like third. And they all broke eight minutes. You know, it was like 750-something. Just a little tune-up, you know. And then... Um, and then they had... Uh, in that same stadium, the year before, they had the... Um, state championships and the california state championships uh for high school and this guy steve lewis um from fremont uh shout out to tesla uh, i think they're still in fremont unless he pulled up 10 sticks and went to austin with tim pool and everybody or tim Dillon or whatever tim tim timony tim tim tree anyway getting back Steve Lewis from Fremont, um, it was a senior year, this was 87, and, uh, 87? Yeah, 87. He was the favorite, because he'd won the year before as a junior, and when the gun went off, he had jumped the gun, uh, because somebody in the stands, or, there was some kind of noise that distracted him and he jumped he he jumped uh, the gun and they were going to disqualify him they they pulled his his blocks this is steve lewis okay so reigning state champion in high school and i remember the whole stadium just went just got whipped into this frenzy like a whole this big protest so you surrounded this guy about him being disqualified the whole nobody was having it they're like no fuck you so they reinstated him, and he fucking won. I mean, he should have won. He was the favorite. He was like a 40, I think he ran like low 46, high 45. Probably low 46 for the quarter. Anyway, so, we, so he went to UCLA the next year as a freshman. And this was an epic. Um, this, had, this UCLA team had uh, Steve Lewis, Danny Everett, another 400 meter runner uh sub 44 400 meter runner and uh they had a really good 400 meter im hurdle uh what was his name kevin something kevin young that's his name and uh man what a, these guys were all in college and they went to um they all went to the olympics these guys, and including Steve Lewis, who was only second in the conference championships in the Pac-10. Um, so second on his team, second in the race to Danny Everett, who was just a badass. 
and um, Kevin Young won his hurdles. UCLA had a they had a good team. That was a team. And uh, Kevin Young, of course, ran away with the hurdles. And then um, they went to the Olympics, and in the Olympics, Butch Reynolds was the reigning world record holder and the favorite, clear favorite for the 400 meters. He he had, well, he was the world record holder at 43.29 at the time. And then um, they called they called Steve Lewis Sleep 13 because the size of his shoes you could sleep 13 in them. So um, he was he was a man amongst boys, but he was legit. He was nine, uh, 19 years old. Yeah, he was 19 years old in the 88 Olympics. And uh, in his training sessions, I remember reading about how to kind of calm himself down, kind of release tension, he would do circuit training, running around, uh, doing his 200-meter intervals, 400-meter intervals with a potato chip in each hand. So as he's going around the track, he's trying to keep from breaking that potato chip in his palm so that he can keep relaxed. That's brilliant. Or he could just, you know, drink around the caffeine. But anyway, um, shut the fuck up, Johnny. Anyway, so gun goes off, 400 meters, 88 Olympics, Seoul, South Korea. Coming off the final turn, Steve Lewis has this huge lead. And first of all, he shouldn't, he shouldn't, I mean, Danny Everett's been beating him all season at UCLA. Butch Reynolds is reigning world record holder, overwhelming favorite. Steve Lewis comes down the final stretch. Butch Reynolds is closing in on him. You got to watch the race. Pull it up on YouTube. Steve Lewis, 88 Olympics, 400 meters. Runs 43.87, wins the gold. Beats Danny Everett, beats Butch Reynolds. Butch Reynolds got second. Danny Everett got third. And then Kevin Young won his race. No, he didn't. Oh, wait, I take that back. No, Kevin Young got third or Second or third, because um, Edwin Moses, the great Edwin Moses, got beat by Danny Harris. Was it Danny Harris? Yeah, Danny Harris, always in the shadow of Edwin Moses, the great Edwin Moses, the gold medalist from 76, who got fucked in 1980 when we banned the 80 Olympic Games in Moscow. Overwhelming favorite, Edwin Moses. Came back in 84 to win. Two-time Olympic champion. Should be three-time Olympic champion. Coming down the final stretch of the 400-meter hurdles. Overtaken by Danny Harris. And then Kevin Young. Kevin Young, did he get second or third? I can't remember, man, but those are the top three. But Americans, they dominate the, the, the 100, the 200. The 400, 400 hurdles. Uh, and then as, it, as the distances get longer and longer, it gets thinner and thinner. 800 meters, we're competitive, but rarely do we win the, or we're in the medal count, rarely. Um, 1,500, we won it all uh, in 2016, but that was, a, that was a tactical, I shouldn't say but. Matt Centrowitz, give it up for Matt Centrowitz. The dude's got a killer kick, but... Cole Hawker, he handed him his lunch in the Olympic trials, outkicked Matt Centrowitz, the Olympic champion. So that's going to be a great one, 1,500 meters. I got to look up when that is, but 
Good luck to her, guys. I'm excited. Um, the coolest thing that I did discover, though, is I was looking through the team members of, of each of these of each of these events is uh, this guy Javon Harrison. He um, he is he becomes the first U.S. athlete since Jim Thorpe in 1912 to qualify for both the long and high jumps in the same Olympics. I mean that's insane. I've I haven't seen that in my lifetime. Uh, particularly not American. Uh, I mean I I would have noticed something like that back when I was obsessed reading track and field news you know in high school and stuff i would have you know that's a crossover man long jump and high jump i've i haven't uh that stuff for the decathletes that stuff for the heptathletes the jackie joiner curses the bruce jenners am i allowed to still say bruce jenner but uh nobody does the long nobody has that kind of poise in the long and the high jump jim thorpe was a freak Jim Thorpe had that kind of Native American kind of like lung capacity, man. This guy was, they do, it's called Indian running. Out on the reservation, you run in a, a formation, a line, and then the guy at the back has to make it all the way up to the front as you stay in formation and you run miles and miles. And then you just keep switching the lead, switching the lead, switching the lead. And the idea is you're, you're doing intervals and in, in, in and amongst this long run, you're doing sprints within it. And I don't know if he actually did that, but that's what we used to do. And, uh, but Jim Thorpe was a freak. Uh, dude, dude wore two different shoes, okay? I'm sure you've all seen the Instagram post about him wearing two different shoes. I think he had to borrow them or found them in a garbage can. I don't know how much of that is embellished. But, uh, but yeah, shout out to Javon Harrison. Fucking badass. High jump and long jump? It just doesn't... It, that's like... That's like doing the... That's like doubling in the 3,000 meter steeplechase and the marathon. Like, they're both kind of related, but not. So, anyway. Good luck to these guys. I'm going to be posting uh, little bits and pieces in the next... Uh, 10 days or so here and there. Um, our boy Galen Rupp's running the marathon. Hopefully he, he got he got the bronze in 2016. Let's see. Let's, let's bring home the gold, brother. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, a lot of PED allegations everywhere. Look, let's all just shoot it up. Let's just all shoot up roids. Let's all just take that syringe and just jam it right in our eyeball and fill our fucking bodies up with PEDs and see and see what shakes loose. Let's just see what happens. I'm not saying our guys are on it. They probably are. I don't know. Who gives a shit? Let's do this. Let's fucking do this, man. That crossover, man. That's that that is that is something. That to me is as impressive as just about anything. Long jump and high jump. You know, two different disciplines, but um it's kind of like um it's kind of like music. Great segue. Great segue. We didn't see that coming, Johnny. Hey, guess what? Shut the fuck up. I want to talk about... I'm not going to bore you with the Olympics the whole time. I'm going to talk about the death of the album. Yes, the death of the album. <laughs> no, I'm not. Nobody wants to listen to that shit. Um, but I am... I, I, um, yesterday I was... 
just doing my thing again, just kind of dropping off platelets and listening to Warren Zevon. Send lawyers, guns, and money. The shit has hit the fan. Great song. Um, that on its own would be a great single. I think I think that that stand on its own, but it's part of a bigger picture called the album, which they don't make anymore. Um, but no, actually, what I really wanted to talk about were, were, were crossover talents. Crossover talent, man. Um, there's a lot in music to like. When I was delving into, you know, 70s music, as I'm wandering through the Central Valley, through Man- Manteca, which is lard in Spanish, I, you, you got to know a white guy named that fucking place because no uh, self-respecting Hispanic would call their own town lard. But anyway, I'm driving through Manteca, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, you don't really hear, like, it used to be... It used to be that um, everything was just good music. Well, it was either good or it was bad, okay? But the cream rose to the top. Um, for example, like, I'm not a country guy. But I grew up listening to, like, Oak Ridge Boys, Kenny Rogers, Glenn Campbell... Why? Because it was on the radio. Why was it on the radio? Because the radio played all the good stuff. Meaning, they didn't separate it into categories, okay? That's only been in in, in recent times that it's really been, well, I'll use the word segregated. It's segregated airwaves. Segregated airwaves. And, um... So now you've got your country channel. You've got your mainstream channel, your pop channel. Um, you've got your alternative. You've got your classic rock. Um, you know, you got your Christian stations. You got your... Uh, I mean, it's all categorized. It's neatly compartmentalized. Um, and, but back in the day, man, you'd be like, you'd listen, one minute you'd be hearing, you know, ELO, I turned to stone, when you were gone, I turned to stone, dun, 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 turn to stone, when you're coming home, I can't go on, and the next song would be Glenn Campbell, Southern Nights. I knew every word to The Gambler when I was like eight. I sang it for my grandma in her living room. Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird childhood. But that was just stuff that played on, you know, there was, you didn't, back then it was like everything was funky, you know, Everything was everything was accessible on one station. Matter of fact, they only had a few stations, if I recall. And so you would hear Linda Ronstadt. Oh, poor pitiful me. Oh, poor pitiful me. And then you'd hear the Eagles. They'd give you a little country, you know. 
um, standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, you know. But then, again, you get to ELO, you get to Olivia Newton-John, you know. Have you ever been mellow? You know, isn't that a Bob Dylan song? I don't know, you didn't hear too much Dylan. Everyone else sang, everyone else sang for Dylan, thank God. But, um, but yeah, back in the day, it was like, that's just what you, you know, I'm a rhinestone cowboy, Almond Brothers, you know, um, Lord, I was born a rambling man. That's Southern rock, but it was mainstream radio, you know, back in the day. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, all these crossover acts now, like, you know, people kind of scratch their head when they think of Hootie and the Blowfish or Hootie, just Hootie. Is that, that's not even his name. What's his name? Um, can't even think of Hootie, Hootie's name. Um, Who's all country now? He's just a straight country act. Like, he doesn't sing that bullshit like, uh, you know, I can't even think of the song that he sang as, as, uh, on Hootie and the Blowfish. Um, because they sucked. That's probably why he went to country, but, um, you see that, you, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but then you see, like, <laughs> I remember in like 98 when I was down in uh, San Diego or North County and I don't know what Garth Brooks was doing there, but he was, he must've been a Padre fan or he lives out there or something, but he took, he took, we're seeing him on the news and he was taking batting practice with the Padres and cause he's, he's a, he's a fan. He's a good dude. You know, he's a good dude, but he's like straight country, right? But then he had, like, that weird Chris Gaines phase, right? Where he had, like, a wig and, like, eye makeup. And he, I think he wants most of the world to forget about that. But they won't. Because it was weird, man. And it was unaccepted by the country community. Nobody knew what to make of it. Not even the main... Not even the alternative community knew what to do with that. I, whatever... Like, he came out with that album, Chris Gaines. Like, who the fuck is Chris Gaines? What is Chris... Because you can't... You can't stuff... You know a fluffy Garth Brooks with a cowboy hat that's got Taco Bell wrappers inside, all over the inside cab of his F-150 into this package called Chris Gaines, who wears all black with black eye makeup. It doesn't work. Um, but, hey, fucking kudos to the attempt. That's, that's, some, that's some balls. But it all boils down to the fact that great songs are great songs, man. Look, great songs are great songs. Um, you know... Um, some things are natural though, and some things aren't. Some things are organic, some things aren't. Um, I mean, you know, Mutt Lang created Shania Twain. Mutt Lang is not a country producer. So that's why music, great, great songs are great songs. Um, Josh Homme, Josh Homme, Queens of the Stone Age. I bring him up a lot. I don't even, I don't know much about Queens of the Stone Age. I just know that people like them. I think... They're probably a good. They're probably a good group. He dabbles in outlaw country. Nikki Lane. I heard that's some good shit. You know, I tried listening to some of it, and it's it. 
it's like um I don't know, it's like not eating um it's not it's like not eating in and out burger for a while for a couple months and then eating it. It's gonna mess your stomach up a little, but it's tasted alright. And uh you know the whole debacle with Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus and that song that he did uh, about the cow- the cowboy song. You know, you know the country community wasn't having that. Hear me out. Talk to me. Talk to me, country people. You know, you just wasn't having it. And it's Billy Ray. Is Billy Ray Cyrus? Is he? Is he one of y'all? Is he one of y'all? Or is he just that line dancing dude with the mullet back in the day with the goofy daughter? I don't know. I mean, there's another good example is Miley Cyrus. I mean, she can sing anything she wants. Is she associated? Is she associated with kind of country? Is she connected with country? Um, I don't know, but she does a great Jolene, a great, a great version of Jolene. You know, who does a great version of Jolene though. It's Jack White, White Stripes. Fuck. But that guy. See, that's where you realize that. Most great music, if not all music, comes from blues. Jack White's a blues guy, and and even country, basically, okay, blue, okay, blues is the foundation for like rock and roll. Bluegrass is the is the foundation for country, but there's there's like a crossover in there, you know, there's some crossbreeding, and so that's why Jack White could do Jolene, you know, that's why. You know, well, shit, Miley Cyrus is fucking... Dolly Parton's her godmother, okay? So take what you want out of that, okay? But then Dolly Parton wrote, uh, I Will Always Love You, which is a great fucking... I mean, if you hear her version, man, it just... Fucking, you just want to weep. But then when you hear Whitney Houston's version, oh, my God, the hair stands up on the back of your neck. And I know it was overplayed with old Kay Costner, you know? But what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? What you going to do? Um, so, I don't know. I'm not going to shit on country music. I won't shit. I, I won't. Because there's, like I say, great songs are great songs. Willie Nelson has written dozens of great songs. He is a great songwriter. Is he country? Yeah. Yeah, he's country. I wouldn't limit him to that, though. I wouldn't say, oh, you're just country. Um... But he's written some. Um, look at his look at his song catalog. Um, let's look at it right now. Shit. Uh, let's see. Willie Nelson. You gotta love Willie. You gotta love Willie Nelson. I just type in Willie and it automatically pulls up Willie Nelson here. Willie Nelson songs. Willie Nelson songs. Uh, you're always on my mind. That's not country. That's just a great song. That's Willie Nelson. But then you got On the Road Again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Blue eyes crying in the rain. I mean, to all the girls I've loved before. That was Julio Iglesias. Shit. I mean, he crosses, you know, international lines. Uh, Mama's... Don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Uh, Georgia on my mind. I mean, dude. Um, 
just goes on and on. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't relegate Willie Nelson to just. Matter of fact, I'm looking at his song catalog. It says American musician. He is Amer- an American musician. To all the girls I've loved before. Um, he's just a songwriter, man. Um, I think the only trouble, the only trouble you have is seeing that transition from country to mainstream, quote-unquote mainstream, or what we deem as palatable mainstream or alternative. Again, the whole Chris Gaines thing with uh, Garth Brooks, but because uh, you can't see that guy, I mean, I don't know anything about Tim McGraw. I know he sings that one song like uh, Be Humble and Kind. All right, that's a good message. It's very country. Country, the new country's got kind of like that real generic kind of, you know, riff that everyone kind of uses. But I, 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 I have to respect Tim McGraw. I just, I like, for whatever, I like Tim McGraw because of uh, his dad. His dad was a great pitcher. Uh, R.I.P. to Tug McGraw. Uh, but I remember watching his dad jump up and down on the mound in 1980 World Series with the Phillies uh, when uh, he was the relief pitcher and, and, uh, and uh, won it all for him. Um, but that's all I can say about Tim McGraw. I mean, I'm just not in that. I'm just not in that world, all right? Um, but... Uh, but if you listen real hard to some of these older tracks, you know, like I was saying, like the old Eagles, you know, um, you look at a band like, take the Marshall Tucker band, for example. Heard it in a love song. Heard it in a love song. Be wrong. That's country. That's country. But can't you see? Oh, can't you see what that woman know she been doing to me? That's psychedelic, man. That's from the same band. You know that psychedelic. In one song, and that's country in another from the same band. And in today's day and age, we just separate them into two camps. Why? Don't do that, man. Don't do that. You know. I mean, granted, I, you know, you can't. I, granted, you can't see Toby Keith, you know, doing some kind of giant wall of sound like Kevin Parker and you know with Tame Impala. Um, nor would you want to, you know. You know, um, you don't, you wouldn't want him to attempt it. It would be horrible. Nor does he really want to, I wouldn't think. Uh, but when you listen to Ween's 12 Great Country Hits, that's a great album, man. I don't know what it is, man. Check it out, the Ween, Ween's 12 Great Country Hits. Ween is, um, Ween is the, uh, the duo Dean and Gene Ween. W E E N, <laughs> and they do a lot of stuff for South Park. They're that. They're that guy. They're that band. 
They do a lot of their their music is out there, psychedelic, trippy, pothead, LSD. But they did a country album, and it's fucking good. And I always play it for my <laughs> my oldest. <laughs> I think secretly she hates it because she likes country. But uh, it's funnier and shit though, and it's a great. It's a. I mean, some of it's kind of a parody, but it's not to poke fun because they're playing slide guitars. They're playing, you know, they're playing. You know, they're playing country instruments, and they're killing it. I'll tell you this. The only crossover from country to, I would say, alternative, I don't know, successfully, the late, great Johnny Cash. You know what I'm talking about. He did the cover of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Produced by Rick Rubin. You know, that fucking was epic shit, man. But that was a whole other... That was a different... That was its own thing. You know? Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor wrote that song? Yeah, another Canadian. Um, you know, by the same token, can you picture, like, Brandon Flowers from The Killers writing a twangy desert skit? Well, actually, yeah, you probably could. But listen... Johnny Cash is the man, okay? The man in black. I mean, he transcends. It's, it's music. It's good music. It's all, the, it's all you need to know. I mean, I don't think he put it out there for country aspirations. I don't think uh, nobody's that naive, particularly Rick Rubin, to think that it would be some kind of country, you know... Cleansing of some sort Absolutely not But it's a great song It was a great song by the Nine Inch Nails And it's a great And it's and it just took on a different dimension with Johnny Cash I remember watching John, I remember when I was like Seven And my cousin I'd, I'd hang out in Yuba City with my cousin He was like nine He was a couple years older than me We'd be playing like superheroes or something. And uh, he'd always be smashing like... He'd have the Hulk and I had like... I don't know. I had like fucking one of the Wonder Twins or some bullshit. And uh, he'd be like, Hulk's coming down. Hulk's... He'd say, uh, Hulk's on a rampage. And then he just mash my guy up, right? But I remember walking in um, his stepdad, my uncle who uh, in 84 was the mayor of Yuba City when it was uh, deemed the worst city in the U.S. Thank you very much. Um, by Time Magazine, I think. We watched this movie, though, with Johnny Cash where he played the bad guy, and I couldn't believe it because I, even in my head, even in my head as a seven-year-old, I knew who Johnny Cash was for some reason. I didn't associate him with country music or, or anything other than just being Johnny Cash. But he played the bad guy in this movie. And I don't know what movie it was. It, I remember there being in, they're inside, of, inside of some kind of bull fighting arena or something. He got shot. He was dressed in all black. I couldn't believe Johnny Cash got shot and he died. I'm like, man, that, that ain't right. What's going on? But man, I mean, yeah. So shout out to Johnny Cash. He just transcends all music, okay? So, so there you go. There you go, people. On the brink of the Olympic 
crossover celebration and our segregated airwaves I give you I give you my opinion on Johnny Cash, Steve Lewis Chris Gaines good shit um but anyway that's all i got for you today check out the olympics tomorrow check out the 10,000 meter finals tomorrow pull for our boy woody kincaid with a name like woody come on can't go wrong and grand fisher shout out to those guys and chalimo hopefully he he repeats in the 5,000 let's do it let's do it man let's bring the gold back home and shout out to the 27 year old girl that won the uh the uh defensing gold you've inspired me i'm gonna start swashbuckling um i'm gonna go out and get my bandana right now so anyway all right people love y'all talk at you later arrivederci babies hold the phone hold the phone quick fact check personal fact check and i'm wrong about the 400 meter hurdle final of the 88 Seoul Olympics. It was not Danny Harris. Danny Harris was always in the shadow of Edwin Moses for years and years in the 80s, but it was Andre Phillips who won the 400 meter hurdles um, in, uh, I believe, Olympic record time of 47.19. Unfucking believable. And Moses uh, got third. That's still remarkable, though. In second place, uh, was not Kevin Young. It was El Haji Amadou Diaba from Senegal, Senegal, the Senegalese, French-speaking African dude who barely lost by 0. 0.04 seconds. But he beat Edwin Moses. That's something. Kevin Young, the great Kevin Young, he even broke 48 seconds for 400-meter hurdles, uh, but he got fourth. But there you go. Self-fact-checking at its finest. And that will conclude our episode. So, dun, 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 fuck off.